0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease, and author of the book that shares the same name of this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch our recent episodes, including Samantha Harris of Dancing with the Stars fame, where we talk about cancer, wellness, and her simple tips for finding, as she titles it, your healthiest healthy. I spoke with former Olympian and the WNBA's Katie Smith about resiliency. And last week's episode with the hilarious Talia Pollock of Party in My Plants, about how she spent years silently struggling with unknown health issues, which led to depression and then low confidence. Now, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe this podcast. Your efforts will truly help this podcast get noticed, and I would really appreciate it. And now, I am so excited to introduce you to this week's guest. Laura Saltman. She's an author, meditation teacher, intuitive guidance coach, and TV digital host who began her career working out in Los Angeles in media. Her journey from red carpet reporter to Hollywood healer began after her life was turned upside down. She lost her brother to cancer, her father to suicide, suffered multiple miscarriages, and more. Laura needed tools to help her cope and live beyond the pain. Sadness and depression. She looked to alternate therapies to heal and then she jumped in. She learned, experienced, and then became an expert, teacher, and soldier in the spiritual game. Her goal is to transform lives through connection to metaphysical intelligence, inspiring people to think, live, and love better. At one time, this seemed really woo woo to me, meaning just really out there. And I would have smiled and walked away. Though in recent years a dear friend who loved quantum physics and would talk to me a lot about energy encouraged me to be open to all types of modalities of healing. And then I met Laura and she spoke such a similar language so I tried more holistic and energy driven healing modalities. And when I was open about changing the language and how I speak to myself or even speak to others. And when I was open about finding time to just be in silence, and when I was open to using different modalities on how to heal, I honestly felt more calm. I felt a sense of peace, and I really felt good. So I encourage you to listen to Laura and be like me for a moment. Try and be open, even if this is new to you or not something you would do, I found that it's helpful to me to just know of these modalities, and when I know what's out there in the world, it could help me, it could help others find better healing, and truly finding more happiness. Now, Laura's journey is a roller coaster, you'll hear that, but her heart and soul are so kind, pure, and helpful to many. So grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am so excited that I have Laura Saltman here. I met Laura at ShiftCon, a wellness conference this fall when we were both on stage speaking about our past careers in media. And I was so excited to learn from her, but also I instantly felt like she was a friend because she is so connected to people and connected to the whole mind, body, soul. So just a little bit about her, and I definitely cannot do her justice. She is an Emmy-nominated journalist. She, of course, is a motivational speaker. She's a TV and digital host, and she's the author of The All Books. That is a series of spiritually-based self-help books, and she does all this one-on-one life coaching and connecting with people to help them find their better life. But before jumping into all this, She was a celebrity producer and reporter. And so like me, she had a first chapter and now is on to her second chapter. Laura, welcome.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, we're definitely in uh, another chapter of our lives, that's for sure. And I always feel like when I meet people like you, like there's like a soul connection, like you can meet somebody and be friends with them for 30 seconds after meeting them. And that's how I felt when I met you.
0: And thank you. I felt the same way about you. Can you tell us a little bit about Laura Saltman, like something fun, something that you don't, I've seen you in media. I know that you do a lot with designing spaces and you've got all your own channels as well. Tell us something about you that we might not know. That's
1: fun. You know what? I think what's fun about me, I'm not that fun. That's what's fun. I'm really not that fun. Like it's when I worked in Hollywood, You have access to all these amazing things and parties that you can go to and events. And for the most part, I didn't go. It just it didn't speak to me. Like I wasn't somebody who wanted to be out all night. I'm such a homebody. Like you have no idea if you sent me tickets to a concert and I had to drive to Miami for it and it was front row to something, I'd probably be like, "Eh, I don't want to drive to Miami too far. I'm just going to stay home. Now, were you always like it sounds like you were that way in your 20s, too? always i've always been a homebody in fact my one of my ex-boyfriends i he used to go out at till two in the morning when we were in our 20s and i would be at home and we had this joke that i would watch there was used to be this show it was called supermarket sweep which they're actually okay. bringing back um with leslie jones from saturday night live as the host of and i love that show so i would come home from work at access hollywood and i would watch supermarket sweep and i was perfectly happy but he was so bothered by it that i like I didn't need to be out in the city enjoying the nightlife. It's just not who I am. And I think it speaks like I like got on a soul level that right uh, in the core of my soul. I just truly am happy within myself and I don't need external things to make me happy. And my son is the biggest homebody, too. So he has totally taken up where I leave off.
0: Well, and that's a beautiful thing because then you can stay home together and find that, okay, maybe you don't want me to call it fun, but find that yep. connection for the two of you. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. And we have fun together. We have fun. Like tonight we're excited because we get to watch Lego Masters. Oh um, my goodness. We love yes. Lego Masters too. So, that show. Yep. And it's so fun to be able to have a connection with my son. He's obsessed with entertainment and i'll probably like be sitting in the audience watching him win an oscar one day he's obsessed with film and directing and acting and so and to watch tv and consume it in with him and having that vision and that interest it's fascinating because we talk about things he's like you know he's turning nine but he's nine going on 90 the way he speaks
0: Right. I understand that. I have an only child too. And so it's, it's a beautiful thing. I also think with society today is while he might be dreaming of doing all that in the future on a small scale. I mean, who's to say that he's not going to have his own YouTube channel in years to come or dabble in other media.
1: He wants a YouTube channel. I won't let him have it right now, but he wants one. He's ready. He's got it. He actually directs Lego movies right now. Like little animation ones. No, like, he does like he's trying to do like stop motion, but yes. he doesn't quite fix that. So you see like his I little mean. hands in there with the Legos and it's really cute and funny. But the beautiful thing about my son is that he's being raised by somebody uh, back to what I do for a living. He's being raised by somebody who uh, believes there are no limits and you can do anything in, in the world that you want. And if you see it in your mind, it exists for you. So I very much teach him that. And so whenever he says, oh, I want to be a director, I want to be this, it's like, great, I can't wait. Uh, You're going to win an Oscar. You're going to do this. I never limit him. I never say, no, you can't do that. I'm always encouraging him to go for those dreams that he has.
0: Well, and that's, that is a beautiful thing. I know it wasn't always like this for you, though. Can you share with us? Our topic here is finding happiness through the hardship. And I would love to share with listeners, like, talk to us about your story. And while I know you've shared it to me in, in some detail, you know, please go into the depth of, you know, how you made this chapter change and the hardships that caused you to go in the direction where you are now.
1: Yeah. So do you have an hour and 20 minutes? I'll try to condense it. Um, You know, it's just a a lot happened to me in a little amount of time. I had a pretty amazing childhood, you know, two awesome parents who very much, you know, encouraged me and loved me. And um, I grew up in, you know, kind of an affluent area. And I had, you know, a lot of the things that I needed. And then I wanted to be an entertainment reporter and worked my little butt like ambition to the max um, and found my way to access Hollywood. And things were going pretty well for me in my life. And then it's almost like um, somebody flipped a switch and my life just started going downhill. And um, even it, though I've sort of flipped the switch backwards, I'm still trying to rebuild my life um, over from all of that. So um, the story is I was at Axel Hollywood. I was on camera a dream that I had had much since I was in college and I was doing their weekend show and a little bit of the daily show. And I was their digital correspondent. I was actually the first digital correspondent in, um, I don't know about the world, but certainly nationally on any national show, there were no digital correspondents back then. And and it was my idea to do it. And, um, and I did, I was very successful at it. And then, um, it started with, I was dating somebody and, um, I found out that I was pregnant and the relationship was kind of rocky to begin with. And so we sort of were on and off for about a year. And then uh, he ended up deciding when my son was 10 months old, not to be a part of his life because wow. our relationship was um, not on solid ground. And um, that was kind of a shocker for me. And so that was a struggle. I had a really rough pregnancy. And then from there, I actually ended up meeting somebody and um, getting married Um and who adopted my son? But then, very quickly into moving into our house, my brother called me. Um, I remember in November um, of 2012, he called me, and it was like, you know, that you have those moments in life that you'll never forget. Yeah. Um, and the two moment, and I might cry because you know it's hard Please, for me to talk about, but. The two moments I'll never forget with my brother is the day he called to tell me that he had terminal cancer and the day he died and I kissed him goodbye. Like those are the two moments and they were almost exactly one year apart. So he, I was standing in my dining room and the phone rang and my brother said, I got to talk to you. I have something to tell you. And you just never, and I know you, you've had that sort of life altering, you know, diagnosis. And so you can relate to, he called me and had to tell me like the doctor said I had terminal cancer. And I was like, Wait what? Well, it came it was out like, left field, right? It was just like out of nowhere. Like I never would have guessed in a million years. My brother was forty six years old at the time, and I just remember I I um I talked to him. I listened. I tr- you know I was upset, but I tried not to react because I wanted to be strong for him. Right. But the minute I hung up the phone, I fell on the floor and started just like convulsing. I mean, I couldn't breathe. It was like, it was just unbelievable. So he was diagnosed with stomach cancer. They gave him three months to live, and he made it a year. Um, and he, uh, was the very first person in the state of Vermont to get the prescription for the, um, the death via death, death, but can't talk, I say death with dignity. Um, he, Tell he was miserable that. towards the end. So, you know, the first three months he was actually doing great. Um, he was only doing radiation, I think at that time. And okay. we, we went cross country skiing at that time. And he was doing really well. He was, you know, pretty positive and he was determined to fight it. Then he started the chemo and the chemo. I always say like the chemo is what kills you because it kills your mind. It kills your mindset. It's so hard to be in pain. It's so hard when you're in pain. I mean, I just fell down the stairs two months ago and broke my wrist and and damaged my shoulder. And the pain from that was unbearable the first couple of weeks. And it, it really gave me a window into what people go through, no matter what that pain is. And it's so hard to keep your mindset, um, happy. And my, I have four books that I wrote about how to do that. Right. And it still was hard for me. So, you know, I know I can imagine and feel what he was feeling. Um, when, you know, when he was in pain and how hard it is to think that you're ever going to come out of it and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So, When he got towards the end, my brother was a very big proponent of your life is your own. And, and when you're sick, if you don't want to deal with it anymore, not deal with it, but just if you are in so much pain, you can't handle it, that it should be your choice. And I agree. And I believe it should be your choice when there are no other options. Um, And so at that time, Vermont had just passed their death with dignity laws and he wanted to go the way he wanted to go. So he picked up the prescription and, um, we were rushing from California to get to him because he had chosen on a Friday morning to take the the pills that they, they give you. And I I think it takes something like 12 hours or something for the pills, actually for it to actually work. And just the thought of like having my poor brother to actually sit with him and watch him like die was painful for me. Like I, I, I just sat on the airplane for five hours thinking about that. But, you know, I believe now because whatever I do as a medium and I can actually, you know, I can actually um, communicate with people have crossed over. So I know that like that on a soul level, souls know exactly what they need to do. So on the morning that he was to take the pills, the phone rang. We We got to Vermont at midnight, went to our hotel room. The phone rang at 630 a.m. in the morning and I knew exactly what it was. I didn't even have to answer the phone to know what it was. It was my sister-in-law calling to say that my brother had died overnight. And I know for sure. 100% now on a soul level that he didn't want, he, he didn't want us to see him. He didn't want us to have to watch him go through that. And so he passed in the night and, um, it was awful. You know, it was awful to have to say goodbye to my brother and kiss him goodbye and 47 years old. And, um, so that was my first thing. I mean, like I said, I could talk for you for five hours about this. So I'm trying to like, give you just. Little snippets of everything because I, I have so much I could talk about. But then from there, my um, my dad, who was already um, struggling a little bit with some anxiety issues and um, and depression, uh, he just really had a hard time with his oldest son dying. And you know, a lot of parents when their kids die that are, when they're getting older and the kids are say thirties, forties and fifties, they're like, how is it possible that they went before me? And my dad just could not get, get that out of his mind that it was supposed to be him and not my brother. And, and so he just went into the spiral of depression and that became more anxiety. And then he ended up struggling with mental illness towards the end. And, um, and so he, um, drowned himself in a lake. So I mean, another, you know, not another time, like the first one of the phone call, this one was a knock at the door. I was at my mom's house and, and he had taken the car and went missing and we didn't know where he was and we were looking for him everywhere. And, um, my, wow. oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. And
0: in such a short time from yeah. when yep. you thought you were living this, you know, Pretty great life with a few, yep. well, I don't want to call them hiccups along the way because they're more yeah. than that, but then yep. you get this phone call and it leads to this, like you, you said, you had a good childhood and they were yeah. such a huge role.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, so my, I remember the day, cause you know, you work in the media and you know what things mean. So right. the coroner knocked on the door at my mom's house and it was a glass door. And as soon as I saw the coroner, I was like, oh, that's it. My dad's dead. Cause that, the coroner doesn't come to you unless you, uh you know, unless they have that news to tell you. So, um, you know, we, it's, I, because I've always sort of been intuitive. I remember standing in my den in my house when my dad was missing. And I said, dad, where are you? Dad, where are you? Tell me where you are. And I kept hearing ducks, ducks, ducks. So I was like driving all over to all the places where there were ducks. There was a duck pond that I used to take my son to, um, feed like breadcrumbs to. And, Mm -hmm. um, I went there and his car wasn't there, but sure enough, it was, the, I just went to the wrong place. He was right. He was leading me to where he was. I, w- I just went to the wrong place. It was the lake by my house and there are ducks there, but we didn't feed the duck there. So the right. connection wasn't to me. And maybe I wasn't supposed to go there first. Cause maybe if I'd gone there first, I would have seen something that he didn't want me to see. So, but he was definitely telling me where he was. And uh, so, yeah, so then there was that. And then from there, you know, all the other things that have happened to me have not been as tragic as losing my brother and um, my dad. But certainly when you're already in the thick of pain, right. it's just adding layers and layers. So, I had a couple of miscarriages back to back. I was obviously very stressed out with all that was going on. Um, And so I had two miscarriages that literally just came, you know, one after the next. And that was devastating for me because I really wanted to have a second child. And then my then husband and I were trying to to adopt, although I more so was the one that was you know, trying to adopt. I think he was just going along for the ride. And so we had three adoptions that we were trying to uh, where we were trying to adopt the baby. And the first two fell apart because uh, the first woman, unfortunately, was was scamming families. Um, The second was just an unfortunate situation where the father was um, possibly going to be deported. (laughs) And then the third one was like. The one that was we thought was the sure thing. This was a fam- This was a couple that had already placed a baby up for adoption, and um, on the day the baby was born, they um, and there there was an unfortunate incident, which I know is never unfortunate, never a coincidence. Things happen very much by, via a rhyme or reason on a soul level, but they ended up giving birth at home. <laughs> um, couldn't get to um, couldn't get to the hospital in time. And so they had to give, she had to give birth at her home and that for that, they had been hiding the pregnancy from their parents. Wow. And because they had to give birth at home, the parents who lived like down the street ended up finding out. So once the parents found out that they had, uh, you know, that they were having a baby, it was like, wait a minute, you're not going to place your baby for adoption. So you can't be upset for somebody who wanted to keep their own baby, I always say, but obviously like it was devastating to me. I was all packed and ready to go. And, um, Wow, And I mean, then, so that really just took me into a place where I, I just was not myself. So it led to me then getting a divorce as well.
0: Wow. Yeah. And this is all and within a few years time. How yeah. did you, yeah. how did you put one foot in front of the other?
1: Um, Some days I didn't, some days I wouldn't get out of bed. Some days, especially the day that after the baby was, um, you know, after they decided to parent their baby. I, um, didn't get out of bed almost for a week. I didn't, I wouldn't talk to anybody. I didn't want to, I was so numb. I, I wouldn't speak to anybody. Like my son was the only one that I wanted to be around. And I just, just, I, that was, I was just in a place where I couldn't, I couldn't even like think. And so during that time, how did I get through it? Was I, was working with a, um, a spiritual life coach who now does exactly what I do. So she's the reason I do what I do now working with clients. Cause I remember about a year into working with her, I was like, I want to do this. I want to feel the way I want to make people feel the way you make me feel. I want to learn what you're, what you know, and I want to share that, that gift with the world. And so I worked with her for about two years and okay. she helped me with my grief and she helped me with my pain and my anger and my trauma. But we're always works in progress. You'll never stop learning. You'll never stop self-improving. It, it is the process of life. So I just continued to work with her for a couple of years and then started going on my own journey to find myself and who I was. And um, once you go on that journey, you never stop Too like things just keep coming to you. You always are reading books. You're always finding a podcast. You're always finding what you need to find in order to evolve yourself on a soul level and on a human level. And so that's really what helped me get through it. And writing my books helped me. But even, you know, though I am doing 100% better than I was before, it's still a daily process. And that's the thing that I, I always want people to know. Like, there's no quick fix there's no quick pill. There's no, you don't, you don't heal. Like if you, I always say, if you go to someone who's a healer and they say they can heal you run the other way because healing Uh comes from within healing comes from you. They're just facilitators. I'm just a facilitator helping you find what's within you to heal yourself. So that's what my life coach did for me. She helped me find myself to heal myself. And so I'm, I'm constantly every day of my life, self-improving, working on myself, working on um, healing all of the things that I need to heal. I did a really cool session with this energy healer yesterday, actually, on my wrist and um, brought up some traumas. You know, there's still some traumas. Like I had to deal with the trauma of falling down the stairs and, and working through that. I still have some anger towards my you know, ex who who's my son's biological dad who doesn't want to be a part of his life. Like as much as I've moved beyond it, Right. You do find when you go within there's still anger and there's still things that need to be released and there probably always will be.
0: So can you talk to us at set you were talking about how your intuitive healer is that what you yeah. titled she Yeah. In some ways she was like your your support during yeah. you know so many of these hard times and you had talked about working with her. Can you explain to us whether it was what she did with you or now what you do with others, what does it mean? You know, maybe what are the tactics when you're working on your healing?
1: Yeah. So there's lots of different ways to heal. Um, there's lots of great modalities out there in the world. There's EFT tapping that I love. Yep. There's um, the guy that I was working with yesterday. He does almost like a massage type of healing. Okay. Um, there's Reiki. There's uh, there's just a million different ways to heal, but it ultimately comes from yourself. So she, the way that I worked with her, she was almost like a, a therapist, like going to therap- a therapist, but she was um, a spiritual therapist. So she would, she could actually like, connect with spirit, connect with the other side during our sessions. And so she would bring up insights and things that I uh, needed to hear or, or wasn't quite seeing almost like perception changers. I think healers can be perception changers because they help you see things differently. And she would say all these words that I didn't understand at the time. And she'd always talk about like, Oh, the universe, this, and the spirit, that, and I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about lady, but because she was talking about it, because it was making me feel better. I started to want to learn, uh, myself. So because she was using words, I didn't understand, but I was still was feeling better. That's when I would go searching for books. And once I would read a book, I'd be like, Oh, okay. I guess I, that kind of resonates with me. I understand that. And then you read that and then that, that something else resonates with you. And it's just this like nonstop roller coaster that you're on of like, oh I want to read that and that's gonna make me feel better. But then, Oh, my life sucks. So I'm going to feel like crap. Oh wait, I'm going to go, you know, to this spiritual retreat and I'm going to feel amazing. And Oh my God, I'm on the top of the world. And then you get home and everything's crashed down. It's like nonstop ups and downs and ups and downs. But I would tell anybody who's interested, who's, you know, curiosity had been piqued to go find a modality that speaks to you. And when you find it, it's because you were supposed to find it anyway.
0: Well, and it's interesting as you're talking. I'm thinking about how, in some ways, what you're talking about may seem woo-woo to some people yep. out there, like as you know, yep. connecting with the spirits. However, yep. I will say through my own journey with wellness, I feel like when I have been open to things that might have seen a little bit far out there, if I feel better, if it brings me some sort of ease or joy. Whether it's the actual 100% factual truth or not, I mean, hey, in yeah. some ways, you know, connecting with different energy and spirits, we may not know 100%. But if it brings me to a place where mentally I'm more at peace, then why not?
1: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. For me, like the whole woo woo thing, like people will call me woo woo all the time. And I completely own it because when you do what I do now for a living, you cannot be skeptical anymore. I mean, I've spoken to people who are dying in hospice and I've been able to communicate with them telepathically and to know what they're seeing. I've spoken to many you know, spirits who have passed on for my clients. I've seen into past lives. I've seen into the future. So I've been doing readings now for about a year and a half and the insights and the things that I've been able to do for people There's no skepticism on my part because of what you see. You can't be skeptical. You just can't. There's just no way not to be. And so those are the moments too when when I'm having a, a human moment where I have to remind myself like, wait a minute. Nope. I know this is true. I know who I am. And I know that everything comes to us from the inside, that we are very much at the mercy of our thoughts and our emotions and our feelings. And whatever we're feeling on the inside is what manifests on the outside. And there are no exceptions to that rule. Whether you believe it or not, that is a law of the universe. What goes on on the inside is what manifests on the outside.
0: So interesting. You said to me when we met in October that that you could see that I was working on overall wellness, but that I needed to really tap more into my, my mindfulness. And I, I looked at you and I thought, oh, I've been doing that. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. I've been doing that. And as I started to think about it, I, I thought, yeah, you know, I've made a ton of progress, but one thing I didn't realize was how little time, how little space, and how little silence I let myself be a part of. I mean, I look back for decades upon decades. I mentioned to you earlier, I love to talk on the phone with my friends since I was 12 years old. And so whenever I'd have some free moments, even back before we had cell phones, I'd grab for a phone to talk to somebody. I think I saw that you posted somewhere a quote about silence is the music for the soul. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I know when you said that to me, it really spoke to me and I believe it now to be true.
1: Yeah. So I teach meditation now. So I'm a certified meditation teacher and I teach classes and I do a little bit of uh, what I call Reiki meditation. So I do guided sort of energy healing meditation with uh, my classes. And I know also from, you know, my books that nothing gets done that's really, really good for us unless we're being still and quiet. And that's when we can really get to the core of um, what's going on within us, what thoughts we're holding on to. So I'll just give you an example from yesterday. And there's no coincidence. So I'm sure like us talking today and what happened to me yesterday is all sort of, so I could share this information with you. So um, I, I randomly like was walking into a tea house and um, that someone had told me to go to. And this man who looked like a cross between um, Jason Momoa from, you know, Aquaman and game of Thrones Uh and the guy who plays Derek on the good place. He was like this hunking man. (laughs) I was like, who is this? He's like, do you want to come to my meditation class? And I was like, yeah, of course. So I went in to do meditation and then we did the meditation. It was a little bit of a really cool sound healing. And then we were just sitting and chatting afterwards. And I told him about my wrist and what was going on with my wrist. And so he's like, well, let me try to work with it. Because we were talking about Reiki and how Reiki is an energy healing. But it's, it's easy to do on somebody else, but always hard to do on yourself. Because we're, we just, we never want to get quiet. So he's like, I'll help you. So I laid down and, and he started doing some energy healing on my um my wrist and I just closed my eyes. There was no talking. It was just him doing like some like a massage type of thing. And um as I got completely quiet and still, I was able to listen to what was going on inside of me. And then all of a sudden what was going on with my wrist started coming out of me. Like that I, I felt like I was chained to fear. And that I was trying to climb out of this sort of like hole of fear and that's what that was about. And then I started getting all these insights about some of the anger and the frustration and the traumas that I'm still holding onto that I haven't yet released from myself. And it just like, I started crying and it just all started coming out and coming out and coming out of me, the things that I hadn't yet gotten to. And I've tried to do that myself at home as well but then I get distracted by this and get distracted by that. And I got to do this. But it was in that moment when I was finally just quiet and still, and I didn't have to be anywhere and there was nothing else to do where I was finally able to work through some of the issues that were the cause of what was going on with my wrist and my shoulder. And then I shared on my Instagram that I came home, it was pouring rain outside and I got home and I started walking up my stairs. And as I looked out the staircase that I had fallen out, uh, fallen on, there was this beautiful rainbow out the window by that staircase and it was almost like saying to me hey guess what all that beautiful work you just did on on healing from what happened with the wrist and the fall good job and don't worry we've got this and we're and you know what you you've done that healing and so that's what happens in stillness when you're in still when you are quiet when you are listening to what's going on in your body and your mind, that's when you can get the answers. And we all have that inner voice. We all have an inner voice inside of us that we can listen to. So there's no person on this planet who doesn't have an inner voice. That's the one thing for sure we all have in common.
0: Can you tell us about what you, if you were to give a recommendation to the listeners right now, like what brings you happiness or brings you that calm? And what would you recommend that they do to get started?
1: So the first thing for sure is to put away your cell phones, is to put away your distractions, is to put down the devices and do things that bring you peace, do things that make you happy. There's like, in my fourth book that I'm actually writing right now, there's a whole list of the things that we can be doing to get ourselves back into joy because that's our true nature. Our true, true nature is joy and love and peace. So when you can get to joy and love and peace, that's when insights come to you. So if you go for a walk, don't bring your cell phone, just walk, just go enjoy nature, enjoy the smells, the birds the whatever. Maybe it's a little cold right now in Connecticut where you are, but here in Florida, it's nice. But just go somewhere where you can just be out in nature, read a book. Like so many people, when I say I'm an author and I write books, they're like, oh, I don't read books. And I'm like, are you kidding me? that is so important. Forget the devices, pick up a book and read it, a book that speaks to you, whatever, you know, is interesting to you, read that book, not just a fiction book, but a nonfiction book, a self-improvement book that will speak to you and your journey. Like you wrote an amazing book that is, uh, you know, very helpful for people who have been diagnosed with cancer. Like, Do anything that is going to move you forward. Listen to music, take a bath, try to meditate. I know that meditation is hard because I, you know, it took me a long time to be able to master it myself before I could start teaching it. So it's hard, but it's like, if you just take five minutes a day to try it and then maybe a week later, it'll be 10 minutes until you get to a point where even 20 minutes of just sitting still and quiet will uh, to help you sort of open. You don't get the insights and the inspiration in desperation. You don't get the insights and information in distraction. It only comes when you are connecting back to your soul and yourself.
0: I mean, it's amazing. I feel like I've been hearing this for years, but until you actually, until one actually does it, you don't feel the difference. And now I know, and because I know how to meditate or do breathing exercises or just give myself time. If I start to feel that stress, I'm like, okay, Karen, I got to take a break and I need to really like calm myself. Then I'm able to get myself to that place where I can jump back in and be more creative or be better at any role that I might play. And so I really agree with you. Encourage people to put away the distractions and kind of get back to... I mean, I want to say their core self, but I mean, I think I know living the chaotic life that I used to live in my corporate um, corporate job or, you know, just being really busy like we all tend to be, it's sometimes hard to even remember what we like to do. That's why I'm super excited that your book has a list because sometimes you forget, and this sounds really silly, but we bought bikes last summer.
1: Yeah. I didn't
0: have a bike. I hadn't had a bike for years. Neither did my husband. My son was the only one. And we spent a lot of the end of last summer just spending a Saturday afternoon riding bikes kind of aimlessly. I mean, we happen to live near the water, and so there definitely is some beauty to it and not just like seeing trucks on the road. But one could take a bike and go to a park or something like that. And it's amazing how much, knowing that that was something that would just come up on the weekends, oh, let's go for a bike ride. We felt like we were connecting with nature and putting aside all the distractions that we might have had in our lives, whatever those distractions might be. So can you share with us a little bit about where people can connect with you? I know that, you know, you're on social media, but also you do work one-on-one with clients. What does that look like? And, and what, are, what, what can you offer?
1: Yeah, so I work one-on-one with clients. I do, I do various types of uh, modalities. So I am a intuitive. I um, yeah, I'm a little bit of a medium. I can see past lives and what I call your future possibilities. So I do different sessions. So I I do like an overall session called an intuitive soul session where we kind of go over um, whatever you need to go over. I always say whenever I work with clients, I always say your soul knows exactly what you need to hear. For some people, it's been talking to someone who has crossed over. For someone, it's been looking into a past life. For someone, it's been looking into... Um, a current relationship. I had no idea because I've always like been into mediums and stuff since my late twenties, but I didn't know until I became a medium that I actually can um, channel the living as well. So I can actually channel people. Like if you're having a relationship with issue with somebody, we can look at that relationship from a soul perspective and, and try to figure out like what's going on on their side as well as the other person's side. So I can help them change the perception of the relationship and then I do what's called past lives and present possibilities where I help people um, figure out things from their past lives. Actually, which I would love to do with you because I think we could do a little session that would might help with your healing as well. And then we go and we look at sort of like what I call your present possibilities. So I get to see and help you. So it's really just helping you see. But I get you you to see um, what's possible, like, what do you want to create next and what's possible and what do you, what are you keeping from yourself in your fears and your doubts and your worries? And then I do more from like intuitive life coaching. Cause I'm a uh, metaphysical teacher from my books. And so I help people understand sort of the awakening process and what that's like if you're on that journey. Um, and I can do chakra balancing and grounding and all sorts of different energy healing modalities. So if you go to my website, it's just laurasaltman.com slash work with me. You can see all the different things that I, and modalities that I use.
0: Like I said, when I met you, it was this instant we were talking about media and our past jobs. And then all of a sudden when we started talking about what got us to where we are today with our careers, you know, you looked at me and was like, you're not sick. And yeah. I had this moment of, I know I'm not, but am I, right? I mean, I'm, I'm living with right. stage, stage four cancer or I'm in treatment yeah. for stage four cancer.
1: And so- Okay, but I want to tell you, I just want to switch that for you because this is what I do with my clients. You just said to me, I'm living with um, stage four cancer. And I would say to you, I don't want you to use those words ever again. I want you to say, I'm thriving with stage four cancer. I'm thriving. So- that that's what I'm saying about what what goes on on the inside is what manifests on the outside. So your thoughts, your words, your emotions, just the more that you are able to stop yourself and be conscious of every thought and every emotion, then the easier it will become to, to heal. Now, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, obviously, but I, I know enough from the other side to know that we truly can heal ourselves. And so there are so many different ways that you can get to that internal healing if you're willing because the willingness right. is the most important part and there are some times like as healers there will be times where we work with clients where they do um, you know cross over but even those people, will know on a soul level, like I worked with a client a month ago who, and eventually it did end up crossing over. And I knew that she want, that she was uh, going to cross over and she knew on a soul level that she was going to cross over as well. And so sometimes we've, we've chosen that, but, but there's mo- many, many, many of us who are absolutely able to heal. If you go and you Google, you know, miraculous stories of healing, they exist all over the place. There's so many different um ways to help yourself with healing and um when i sat with you I, I like you are one of those people that i know can heal you can heal and again i can't heal you but i certainly can take you and help you to heal yourself so your 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 calling i think is to actually heal yourself so that you can then share that message of hope and healing beyond the way you know how you' your hand you're sharing it now
0: and and oh my goodness i'm Almost speechless, speechless, and I've tears in my eyes, and i I really believe that, as I probably said to you then, you don't get cancer twice, stage four, one of those times, and don't do with it, or at least i don't right yeah. and i do I do believe that I'm thriving, and I'm really, really grateful for that, yeah, uh, and in fact, speaking of of gratitude, would you be willing to play what we call the grateful game? My son and I, every night before bed, we, we play what we call the grateful game. What it is, is, I mean, honestly, it really started because I was trying to get my son to talk to me about what happened at school, but it really evolved into this positive force that every single night, or most nights, we will sit, and of course, you know, he's 11, we have a little competition, who can tell each other from that day uh, the things that they are most grateful for. And so if you would play with me, we give each other a minute or I can start and I'll give myself a minute. And if I, I will tell you what I'm grateful for and why, and it can be just something in life, in our lives today. It doesn't have to be literally today because obviously I don't talk to you every day, but um, I'll, I'll kick it off. And why, of course, it's important, you know, we could just look around and I could say, oh, I'm a... I'm grateful for this picture on my wall, but like, but why? Yeah. So thank you. I will kick it off and I'll say I am grateful for ShiftCon the Wellness Conference that we were at, because that is where you and I met. And I believe that while I love to get on stage and you know be a speaker and share what I've learned, or the book for that matter, that was my first book signing there. I really felt like when I met you and I came home and told my friends that I was meant to be there to connect with you, um, to have these soulful conversations, you know, to continue my healing in a different way than I've been doing. So I'm grateful for that. I am grateful for, I get a delivery of daily harvest. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're Mm -hmm. the smoothies and harvest bowls. And I get that today. So what I'm thinking about today, I'm really excited. I'm getting a few new harvest bowls from them today. And because why? Because I love them. They taste good and they're super easy to make. And I am grateful. What else can I be grateful for? I'm coming on one minute. Um, I'm grateful for my trip to Florida because we, um, we love baseball. We went to a number of spring training games and my son and I actually went to Whole Foods where I said to him, "Oh, let's go to Whole Foods, not somewhere else for lunch, cuz who knows, maybe the players, they're healthy eaters." And we ran into one of the New York Yankees' top players. He's a brand new pitcher, his name's Garrett Cole, and so my son got to like have a real introduction connection to the New Yankees star pitcher Garrett Cole. So I'm grateful for that. I love that. So okay, I love that. So that was three. I'm throwing it to you. Um, share with us if you can either beat, us, beat me at three or tell okay. me a minute of what you're grateful for.
1: All right. Well, I'm grateful always for my son and uh, being 39 when I was pregnant with him and having him at 40. Like, thank you to the universe, to God for blessing me with him. Um, I'm grateful for all the clients that I've been working with because they teach me so much about the other side and why we're all here. Um, I have so much to learn from them and I'm grateful for my books because they've taught me about the magic of belief. And even if I don't use, <laughs> use it all the time, I'm grateful to have the tool, the tools to know how to you know, move beyond grief and sadness and depression And uh, I'm grateful for all of the healers in the world who are finally opening up this, the eyes of other people so that we can heal all together as the we that we all are that we get to, um, evolve that as much as the world is seemingly falling apart, it's actually falling together right now. And there's so many beautiful awakened souls right now that are sort of the sol- soldiers in the spiritual game that are sharing information. And that only is going to spread and spread and spread. So I'm excited for, uh, what the world has to come.
0: Well, it looks like we tied there because we both ah, went shy okay. like a little bit over a minute. But I love tying <laughs> and um that's beautiful. Thank you. I feel like you know, I'm I'm so grateful for my family as well and that they they embrace healthy living like I do now. And and from what it sounds like when you were talking about your son earlier, like he is a product of you and he embraces um, the more a more soulful way of living as well. So thank yes. you, Laura Saltman. I so appreciate you being here with us today, you know, sharing your stories, sharing your suggestions, and um, you know, I encourage listeners to you know to reach out via her uh, social media channels and and connect with her because we all can learn a lot and live a more inspired life if we do so. So thank you,
1: thank you, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us. If you love us, they might too. And now my parting words. We play the grateful game at the end of each episode, and here is why. After my second diagnosis, I started to research who is thriving with cancer and what they were doing to be well. I learned that wellness is about consistent self-care, creating everyday practices that help improve your body and mind toward a state of good health. And for me, focusing on gratitude brings tremendous positive energy into my life. I'm incredibly grateful for today's guest, Laura Saltman. She's opened my eyes to the importance of sitting in silence. She's taught me about numerous modalities from chakra energy healing to channeling that can really help heal. And I'm grateful that she's here to help others that want to explore this journey into spiritual health. Thanks again for joining us today. Sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.